I'm at 450,000 combined followers across TikTok, Instagram. I've had almost a billion views total. I've probably gone viral like 50 to 60 times. Um, and the good thing is I have multiple platforms that have worked. Like it works on TikTok and Instagram. I'm getting all this traffic and attention and like starting to get known. And like, I've been recognized on the street. I, I haven't been able to figure out the monetization. And this is like the big challenge I feel like with creators. This is an interview I did with Kane Calloway. And part of my goal for the first 10 videos on this new podcast was to try something different for each one. So I first came across him as another creator. And I used to have this YouTube channel with Stefan where we would analyze different creator businesses and come up with new business ideas for them. And the basic premise behind that channel was that creators can build audiences and they can then channel those audiences into different businesses. And we would brainstorm different business ideas that they could create. So when I came across Kay and I saw that he was one of the fastest growing creators, he published a video on YouTube around his plan for the next year. And it was awesome to see that he hit a lot of the goals that he wanted to achieve. So I reached out to him. So I wanted to try a new format where it would be like a dual coaching or dual advice model where I would help analyze and help him think through some of his problems and offer some solutions and vice versa. So this was a really good conversation. If you're really interested in creators and the business model and just some of the challenges that face them, I think you'll enjoy this episode. So here it is. To have Kane Calloway on the podcast, and I was clicking through YouTube and I saw this video pop up my feed around building a personal holding company. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting because I'm building one and it's interesting to run into someone that was building another one. And when I watched your video, it was, it was pretty good. It was literally like a business plan in a 10 minute video. I probably rewatched it like 10 times because I was like, there's some gems in there. But I Thank wanted you. to bring you on today to talk about the personal holding company, what it is, just give some updates on where it is. Cause I think the video is about 10 or 11 months old and thought it'd be fun to go through some challenges because I used to host a YouTube channel where we used to break down creator businesses about a year ago when I was experimenting with YouTube. I really enjoyed it because I get to like, you know, put on your McKinsey hat and kind of strategically go back and forth, especially if it's a creative business. So I thought that would be a good area for us to explore today. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. And basically that video, a small like context backstory. I was working in a job in consulting, didn't really like it, knew I wouldn't like it right away, but tried to stick it out for a few years. And then along the way, I was like, I found my way into an internal uh, startup role within the consulting firm. So I was like running this internal startup. So I was able to hide, I'll, we'll say, like er earn skills from an entrepreneurial perspective, but like, I wasn't doing 80 hour weeks, like consulting, consulting hours. And so my, my approach was like, let's stay here. We'll obviously glean as many skills as possible spend the minimum amount of time required to do that and fund all the funnel all the money and extra time I have into starting something that works. As soon as I found something that works, I was going to jump. And so I I went through a bunch of these different experiments, got various, you know, levels in terms of success with them. I tried to do morning brew for wellness. I tried to have like a music career where I was making rap music. I had a podcast where I was interviewing founders. The most recent one was during the web three craze. So I tried to do kind of like a kith on web3 rails like build a lifestyle brand with group ownership and all those things like i said varying degrees of success but they all lacked one common thread which is like i don't have the distribution to even get signal back if this is working like even if i we were to make an amazing apparel line and pay for ads to get signal back it was such a long lead time to get any feedback so i kind of was like okay let me take a step back i really want to graduate on from this kind of consulting firm entrepreneurship thing like what do i want to do next and when I thought about 
I saw something that you had written around personal holding companies and the way you were approaching it right around this time. And when I thought about what would a dream world look for me, look like for me in 10 to 20 years, it was, I have a couple different interests, multiple different businesses under this umbrella. Hopefully I'm operating either none of them or one of them, or kind of I'm at the hold co level, but there's some things that I think are required for that to work sustainably. And one of those is having an owned audience and like a content engine that you can basically almost like a factory that you can produce content for those brands. And so that video, I kind of was like, okay, let me organize my thoughts, get the video out as like, I thought it'd be cool to have like this stamp in time before I did any work and just like, this is the strategy and just, oh, sorry, I don't know why the, <laughs> the thumbs up comes up, but uh, just have like this strategy. And then 20 years from now, we can look back and see how close it was. That, that's why I made that video. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I broke it up into um, personal only company, I think you called it Wavy Labs. There's three or four different brands. The content engine is fueling it. And then on the side, you have this creative studio. Creative studio yeah. would be creating content for, I guess, the brands and the content for your own personal brand. Is that how you were thinking yeah, about it? Yeah, ideally, like, I mean, my dream is to have like a five to 10 person SWAT team that's just like, yeah. everyone's amazing and they're cross-disciplinary. So you've got like an industrial engineer, designer, coder, and and you have some amazing content people as well. So like some of that creative studio is is doing the content, but the others are like, actually doing the R&D and like innovation around what the products and services are. Yeah, I have a confession to make though. When I wrote that original tweet, I was on a sabbatical and I was also similar to you. I think I read another tweet about like an end state lifestyle. People were at the time just listing out like what their ideal days would be. It would be like, I would wake up and jog and journal and <laughs> yeah. work with a small creative team. And I was like, hey, if I had to do that for work, what would that look like? So I started thinking through all the things I didn't like about work. And then I started to think about what would I like about work and what my strengths were. And for me, I, I do like to dabble in a lot of different things. I knew I was always the zero to one guy. So I can literally show you a file of hundreds of ideas just all over the place. I thought it'd be cool if that's my strength of coming with ideas and getting it off the ground. Why not just launch like 10 of them one a year? That'd be so much fun. I, Cause I was also thinking about coaching like CEOs and founders at the same time. I was like, oh. This is perfect. It's kind of like coaching, but I have a huge stake and we're incentivized to make this thing grow. So yeah. that was the original idea. I think it got branded around PHCs. Other people started to execute against that. So my confession is I actually never really executed that. I just started because I took a year off. Um, everything is still theoretical. And I, I don't think there are a lot of people executing it yet. I think Greg Eisenberg is probably the one that comes to mind. He was doing it before the term even got coined. And has multiple businesses now, but there's something nice about being able to work on multiple things, you know, flex your career muscle versus being super, I guess, operational or analytical all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I'm curious to hear, and we can dive into it. Like I can walk through like how far I've gotten. So I've made that video like 12 months ago, but I'm curious to hear from a, a strategic perspective, like with your, your background building companies, like where you think my initial stab at the strategy is going to break, like will break, could break, why it, why I might be thinking about something wrong because I'm kind of, I kind of like laid that plan out and I was like, okay, there's a hundred steps to get there. Let's just start with step one. And I may be on step like four or five now, and I can talk about that, but I really want to break that down because I'm sure there are blind spots that I'm missing. I have some initial thoughts based on, I think you wrote some core tenets and goals and you also wrote how you're going to get there. But maybe if I could ask the question back to you, looking back yeah. from when you first initially wrote that video um, a year ago, like, wh what do you think went well over this year? And what's like a big challenge that you've hit? And maybe we could brainstorm some solutions or ideas and go back and forth on that. 
Yeah, let's do that. So basically the rough plan was step one, start making content so that I could build an audience because I felt like that was the highest leverage thing I could do and the easiest way to move the ball from zero to one in terms of like, instead of having to come up with an, a, a net new product and like launch it again with no distribution, let's just focus on the distribution. So step one, start making content. Once I started making content and growing the audience, then step two was find a way, find a cash flow source, ideally that was overlapping with the making the content because I kind of, I realized pretty quickly, like I just don't have enough bandwidth mentally for two jobs. So if if I'm doing content full time and then I'm have some cash flow source, whether it's like an agency or something else that I'm running, it's basically two jobs. I just can't do both effectively. So it's like, how can I make a cash flow source that's at least partially, if not completely, overlapping with the act of doing the content? And once you have that content source, step three was or that cash flow source funneling the cash into automating a lot of the content process, so I can like reduce my time in by a fifth, but like amplify my output by five X. So, so you can have this like huge magnitude shift. And then once you have, and that kind of creates what I call the content engine. So it's like a lot of content coming out, but not a lot of effort of mine going in the cash. It's self-sustaining because I can pay for the team with the cash flow source. And that's when I felt like I would start looking at like, what is business number one in the hold co. So that was always the plan, kind of like four step plan. Basically I started with step one, making the content, I strategically picked short form video and I can, I can get into like why I had this, like, I don't know if it's that rigorous, but like fairly strategic thinking around which medium of content to pick. So I could have been short form video, could have been medium form on YouTube, could have been uh, audio or video podcast, could have been newsletter writing. There's like a variety. I picked short form for a very specific reason. Um, I had never really edited video before. I had never, other than recording podcasts, I'd never really made content before. So definitely a little bit of a learning curve, but I, I feel like I had, uh, I got, I got, was very fortunate in that, like one of my first couple of my first 50 videos popped off pretty heavily. And that's kind of all I needed mentally to be like, there's something here, just keep going. And since then I've posted like four to five videos a week for like a year. And I've had like brand deal opportunities come in. I started monetizing with like the, the TikTok creativity fund. And so I had enough signal that like there was money to be made that that's when I like quit my kind of consulting job. And so four months ago, I quit the job and went full time. And I'm still on step one though, right? Because as yeah. a, like step two was create the cash cash flow source. Haven't quite figured that out. And I can like walk through my thoughts about what I thought would work and why I don't think it has. That's what I wrote about last week in the newsletter, but that's kind of a summary. Yeah. I think you crushed it on the first one. You know, I appreciate that. Going from making no content, picking a lane, which you you pick short form and then I think I saw one of your videos and we got like almost a million likes on Instagram. Was that yeah. what you were Basically, like, one? I'm at like 450,000 combined followers across TikTok, Instagram. I've had, almost, I think, almost a billion views total. I've probably gone viral like 50 to 60 times uh, and viral as in like over a million views, I'll say. And, um, and the good thing is I have multiple platforms that have worked. So it's not just like one yeah. flash in the pan. Like it works on TikTok and Instagram. So it's like a summary. Yeah. So funny because I was listening to Greg Eisenberg's last podcast with those two guys that started the Clipped Agency. Yeah. And I guess they do their own work and they have clients for, through their agency. And I guess one of them was like the All In podcast. And they said yeah. that All In podcast invited them out to like David Sachs, I think 50th or 60th birthday. And they said that every single billionaire came up to them to ask them how they can also get a huge following because they wanted that reach and that influence. So people that have like, billions of dollars still can't pay 
to have that audience because you have to put in the work, which I found super interesting and fascinating. It is. It is really interesting. And that's, that's a hilarious thing is like, from my perspective, I'm getting all this traffic and attention and like starting to get known. And like, I've been recognized on the street twice, which wow. is kind of insane. <laughs> like once in India in the airport, which is great, like so random, but, but I, I haven't been able to figure out the monetization. Like yeah. the, I can talk about what those clipped guys did because I know them a little bit. They're probably the best example of viral content, but also a monetization strategy that like is working. Maybe they're not running that business as profitably or like efficiently as they could. And that will probably change over time. But like they're, they're generating six figures a month for sure. Yeah. Or like yeah. have gotten it up to that. So, I mean, do you think it'd be helpful for me to lay out my thoughts around the monetization? Because I feel like as a creator... Step one is getting attention. It's really hard, but like there are a lot of people that are doing pretty good with that anywhere between, you know, 10K to hundreds of thousands of followers, but, but all, the, all of them struggle with the monetization. This is like the big challenge I feel like with creators. Yeah, I think out of the four steps, we'll, we'll probably spend the most time talking about one and two, but it did seem when I was watching the video, as soon as I saw it, I was like, he's going to hit a huge wall when it comes to cash flow. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was my first initial thought when I was like, great plan. Well, it's going to take a very long time. Um, but the good yeah. news is, I think you reached your reach much faster than I think anyone would have expected. So there is yeah. some natural talent. There's some iteration. There's some learning. There's some something that's working there. I'm not sure you have it super refined yet. I don't think you can say like, these are the buckets. This is my niche. This is my audience. These are the types of contents I create. I think yeah. you're still kind of experimenting there. So I have some thoughts on that, but curious to hear what was the big challenge with generating cash flow for yourself and for you know, your creative studio? Yeah. So, so let's, let's go down, let's dive in this rabbit hole. So basically my, my strategic thinking was, okay, I need to figure out a cash source. Like we were saying, that's overlapping to the content. So what are the options? One option is the like brand deal slash ad slash affiliates bucket. So that's like, I'm already making these videos. So literally someone's paying me to make a video I'm already making and paying me to grow my own audience. That's perfect overlap, 100% overlap. But the the cons are that it's lumpy. You don't know when the brand deals are coming. There's a lot of like administrative and operational work to go back and forth with these brands. It's like, it's almost like a full-time job just to manage that. So great overlap, but like, and this is the first one I tried and I, I made some decent money, but like it is very lumpy and inconsistent. So that, that, let's put that one aside. That's one. The second option was some sort of video editing agency or service where my biggest cost is going to become my video editing expense. So I was like, how do I turn that cost into a revenue? If I hired editors that were amazing and then had a few clients that were paying me, I could like break even or potentially make a little cash flow on that. So the, the pros of that is that that would be my biggest expense and I could probably cash flow more consistently and faster than the brand deals. Cons being, that's a huge operational load to get that started. And like I'd either need an operating partner who did almost all of the day-to-day -day lift or, you know, then I'm working two jobs, right? So that, that's like bucket number two. Bucket number three was kind of like digital products, courses, cohort, membership, those types of things. And those are like net additional work. So it's not a perfect overlap, but most of them are build one scale, you know, build one sell twice. So you can get like some advantages with leverage there. The problem is that's also lumpy. So like it's tough, unless you're doing a recurring membership, it would be tough to rely on, have fixed expense of headcount, but then rely on this like up and down revenue. So those, there's other things you can do, I think, outside of these three, obviously, like start a SaaS company or like build a product, e-com business. There's a ton of other things, but all those are getting further and further away from yep. like the overlap with the content. So 
my like frame was those are the three buckets and which should I pick and like which is best, you know? I, I now in like the last week have gotten a little clarity on I think ways to attack each one that may work, but I'm curious to hear your like strategic thinking around, do you think those are the right three buckets? What am I missing? And, and like, which one, if you were me, do you think you would run at hardest? I think those are the right three buckets. Preparing for this conversation, I did give some thought. So I've been just thinking about it for the past couple of days. So nice. I, I do have a good recommendation, but working backwards, based on your goals, right? So your goals would be, I want to stay near to content. I don't want to feel like I have a second or third job. You know, so yeah. a SaaS business or, you know, I guess the trend last year is buying a boring power washing business and trying to generate cash flow from that. I think that's probably off the table because it's too far off and it's just not creative. I want to eventually get there with the whole yeah. company though, but like not, yeah, not this yeah, not first. Today. Um, yeah. But it, it could be a consideration. I think the third bucket, I feel like all creators follow a very similar formula. Like the first thing they do is they drop some merch, then they do an online course about something that they might cohort it, you know, they might sell membership. So that's a very specific formula. It has its pros and cons. It doesn't sound like it's that exciting to you. And it sounds like you've narrowed it down to the first two, which is starting an agency that probably overlaps with content you're creating or taking a more traditional route. Um, so I did give some thought to it and my, so, you know, if I was working at like a consulting strategic firm, let's do it. I would focus on the first bucket. Okay. And and, and the main reasons, because I've been on the other side, right? So Skillshare sponsored a lot of YouTubers, like a ton. At one point, I think Skillshare and Squarespace, like, we're like the biggest brand sponsors of all YouTubers, like on yeah, the platform. Everywhere. And the only thing that brands really care about is click-through rates. And, and then the brand can customize the, the conversions. And they want that to be as predictable as possible. And they want that formula to be as, I guess, universal as possible, right? So the reason I say that is because you've been focusing on shorts, but that's such a new medium that a lot of people don't really know how to like spend money on that. Right. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, wishy-washy. They're going to ask you to do weird things like create a short. So a couple of thoughts I had was one, you already have a following. I think you need to figure out your content buckets and think you need to figure out your niche and your audience. I think you do need to expand into content to diversify your content and expand into areas where sponsors are more comfortable. So for, for example, people are very comfortable sponsoring a medium to long form video on YouTube. I, I know you felt that a longer video is unnatural to you, but I'm wondering if it's because you're so used to these one minute videos that a 10 minute just feels different. And if you're already getting inbound, I think I read or heard that you're getting five to 10 inquiries a week. You can yeah, kind of, a lot of inbound. you're getting a lot of inbound. So I think you just need to put some hard filters and you need to set your own ground rules. I've talked to a lot of creators where they come in and it's like, oh, it's a huge brand. They're going to pay me X, but they're asking me to do this weird thing I don't want to do. I'm just going to do it. You can always say no, or you can say, hey, this is how I work. So it's very formulaic. I have a YouTube video that comes out once a month. It's X amount of dollars. I'm so confident that this video is going to perform well. Half of it's going to be performance-based. So if it goes above a certain amount of views, the payment goes higher, things like that. Yeah. So that, that was one bucket. So I'll pause there because I have a couple other smaller ideas, but I would say my recommendation would be to, you have something working, just refine it. And I think you could generate five to six figures pretty quickly coming to 2025 or four, where you just got to refine what you already have and start trimming the fat off. Because watching your videos and watching your shorts, you're experimenting a lot, which I would still recommend. But part of what you're doing, you do need to like have your, like your, like your base, if that's the right Yeah, I need word. to hone in. 
you need to hone I, in I, on something that you can repeat. And then you have like this other, if you, th if you view your content as a portfolio, you have short, you, you know, you're testing out newsletter, you have audio, you have this new podcast. It's like, cool. Uh, what's your core? All right, let's start pulling some money through that. I'll start experimenting over here. Creatively, no one's allowed to touch shorts. Like that's just off limits. I'm not, I'm not going to do any advertising or brand sponsors on shorts because that is my audience. I don't want to, I don't want to infiltrate that, but 10 minute YouTube video totally or our podcast if you already have that inbound if it's just more about refining what you're doing and setting your own rules of how brands can play with you you i think you'll enjoy it more than working with clients to the agency because that's going to be yeah no this is really good thinking so a few a few thoughts around around these exact points i've been thinking about so the the first is my goal is definitely to build like a portfolio of media assets that all have different levels of ad inventory right and so the shorts is one the podcast is another i'm like this week and or next week, my goal is like to start going into YouTube exactly as you said. So like I have two different format ideas we can we can potentially kick around that I'm pretty excited about for like five to 10 minute YouTube videos. And that will add more, like you said, predictable ad inventory that brands are like comfortable with. And then the newsletter as well. So it's like pretty soon I'll have, you know, six to 10 like ad yeah. inventory slots across multiple channels that can be packaged up in like unique ways. So I'm 100% aligned on that is like increase the supply with which I can give to ad advertisers. On the niche front, I definitely want to bat this around as well because my, my take initially was like, I don't know what my niche should be. Let me just chase what's interesting. And what I was authentically interested in, kind of the way I frame it is like new tech and cult brands, which is way too broad still. But it's kind of like anything from new AI tools to like Google did something crazy. Like, let me explain it and like take complex to simple all the way to like, you know, someone just acquired Prince, the tennis brand, why they do it or like Kith, which is like, a, you know, lifestyle brand I like. So it's like, it's kind of, it all buckets into like, why are beloved brands doing certain things? Could be a news story, could be a product launch, could be like a business strategy. All of my content that has worked and like that I enjoy making kind of funnels into that. The good news of that, when we, I want to bat around like if you think that niche is niche enough, but the good news about that is it's super conducive to brand placements because if I become one of the top people who talks about interesting stuff at companies, every company wants to be talked about as like interesting, I feel like. So there's like a really nice yeah. tie there. And then also that content can be, that same idea can be a 10 minute YouTube video, can be a yeah. segment on the podcast, can be a newsletter. Like it, it, it is very uh, transmissible across other mediums. Yeah. So there's some good tailwinds there, but the thing that I was struggling with is like, and this is what this is what I mean by like the niche thing. I was struggling with the who is the for who that I'm talking to because yeah. a lot for me, like the audience that I like and I am is like aspiring creators, entrepreneurs, builders, right? Like that group. But the content I'm making, maybe it'd be entertaining to that group, but it's not very actionable in terms of like value of like, oh, here's how you build X. Like my newsletter is, right? That is for like creators and entrepreneurs. Yeah. But the, but the what do you think about I would this? think about it differently. So niche wasn't the right word. So what I love that you're doing is that you're being yourself and you're exploring and creating content and things you're interested in and think everyone is just so multifaceted. So maybe niche wasn't the right word in the traditional sense, but just defining what those buckets are that you're already doing and just kind of fitting that into a brand so they can just understand it, right? So yeah. like just the things you mentioned, right? You're just doing tech, right? So tech is a huge bucket. You're just doing very cutting edge, like front and center, futuristic tech, right? So you're not doing an iPhone review. You're doing like the latest AI tools, right? So if I were 
if I was like your talent manager, that's what I would pitch a brand. It's like, he has a huge tech, you know, tech enthusiastic community, but these are like the tip of the spear because they want to know the cutting edge stuff. He also has a business community, right? So yeah, they could read a case study on JetBlue, but he does something that's more relatable because the audience is younger and that's a demographic that everybody wants to reach, right? So he analyzes Kith, or I think I saw you analyze MLS with a, the messy yeah, um, yeah. trade, you know, that, you know, that looks on, on the surface level like sports, but he uses culture and what's happening in culture to give people business lessons. That's the twist. You know, if I had to put this together for a brand, I'd say, look, the audience is younger, they're cutting edge, they're really forward thinking on technology. They're not just, you know, they're business minded, so they're probably entrepreneurs or they're creators, and that's the type of content he creates because that's who he is. So you just need to yeah. give them a box that they're used to playing in. But your content, you're, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. So I think the content mix, I think you just start needing to think through, like you have some things that have worked. I think your last newsletter, you mentioned that is like, you just kind of need to create like a, like some forms of content. And I think you mentioned is taking very complex ideas and simplifying them. And yeah. I think that is your formula. Yeah. And I think that's, that's my like special sauce. That's like what I feel like I'm natively good at, but also is like really helpful and like the world wants. So it's like that getting close to the icky guy. I call it my phrase for what we're talking about is unique uh, or content genius zone is what I call it. So yeah. it's like the, in that intersection of like what to talk about content genius zone is, is how I started thinking about it. And so, and yeah, like the good news is what I feel like my authentic native content genius zone that comes to me is wanted by the market per yes. the success I've had. So I just need to stop like venturing out. Cause what ends up happening is like, like I'm confident in my abilities to tell a story about anything. So I'll see somebody who has a video go super viral about something that's outside my content genius zone, but like, I feel like is an easy win. And then I'll waste a day making that video and it'll just, it'll do okay. Like it'll get 50 to a hundred thousand views, but nothing crazy. And I'll get, I'll be like upset that it didn't do well. And then I got distracted and I just need more discipline around like staying in that housing that like is special to me, you know? Yeah, I think I, I, think I heard you say, on Calum's podcast, you like the Google 20% model because people got to experiment. I think you can always have a 20% where you get to experiment creatively. Yeah. But you got to also remember that the people that are following you are probably similar to you and they like the things that you like. So if you're creating a video that you're not even into, just to see yeah, how yeah. it performs, you know, whatever the yeah, what 350,000 people listening. that are into the same thing as you, they see that too. They're like, I'm not interested in this, even yeah. though that video could have worked for someone else and went super viral because that audience, that video was for that audience. You're, you're at the place now where you have a lot of things that have worked, right? It would be a much different conversation a year later, you know, like 4,000 followers on Instagram. And I think you just gotta, I think you just gotta refine it. I think you, I think you gotta put your stake in the ground and, yeah. and kind of be comfortable with that and, and still give yourself room to experiment because you're always gonna have to experiment with things. But I do think the videos are, doing really well. It sounds like you really enjoy them. They're on endless topics. I mean, as long as technology exists, there's always going to be some new cutting edge thing like content exactly. computing, AI. There's just so much, you know, climate, nuclear fusion. There's just so much stuff coming out that it's like endless array of topics for you. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting thought that like I've never really talked about, but I think helps explain the dissonance between or like whatever the dissonance I think it exists between like me venturing outside of that content genius zone. So I was kind of like, in my head, I was trying to play three steps ahead, right? So I was like, okay, whatever. And I, I think the reason I want to bring this up is I think this is really helpful to creators because they'll get in this trap. I was thinking, 
whatever audience I end up building of people that follow me, I want to be able to make and sell my own products to that audience eventually. And so what I was struggling with is I was like, let's say a tech forward enthusiast audience is who I'm building, which I think like you accurately said, that is who it is. That, that's very conducive to other brands. Like tech brands can pay me all day and like that'll convert forever. So it's great for that. But like, I was really struggling to think of what products and services would I three years from now build and sell to that tech enthusiast audience if I'm not like building right. SaaS tools or whatever. So then I was like, oh shoot, I don't want to lock myself into this audience that I can't build for. So I need to like, hold on a second and really think about like, if let's just, let's just assume supplements is like what I felt like was the biggest opportunity. And like, I take a bunch of vitamins and like, I'm really, I'm really health conscious. And let's just say like in my head, that is the perfect branding to me. I'm like, I was at this dissonance point where I was like, oh, should I make like kind of like this complex of simple in health? Because I want to eventually sell supplements and that would be a better tie. That was like really tripping me up for a while. And and still kind of like, I don't really have the answer to like what products I build for these people. But I think now the way I'm thinking of it is I'll build companies and I'll use the Callaway channels to help, but that's not going to be the, like you were saying in the email, that's not going to be the primary audience driver. I'll have to build new audiences for those businesses either way. It's really not going to be like a fully reliant on the Callaway entity. The content learnings I've built through building the content entity will help me be more effective at building those those content channels. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it now. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because this is something that probably trips a lot of people up. I think that sounds completely correct. I would separate the two out completely. Your creativity and channeling into creating content should be as little influenced as possible by all these external factors. Like you should just make content that you think is interesting that you want to make that overlaps with what people want to watch you and that needs to be as pure as possible obviously if you have brand advertiser they're gonna try to meddle as much as they can and they're gonna try to push the line because if you start thinking like that then the the stuff you make is just gonna suck that's exactly. one and then two is the, the audience said you're creating right now it's gonna be great to kickstart anything but it's never going to be the engine that's always going to drive business to it forever. So I'll give you a good example. Is that when we were sponsoring YouTubers at Skillshare, there is some fatigue, right? So we would at best, at most, do a brand deal with them every three months. And that was aggressive. And the reason is because people don't want to hear you advertising the same thing over and over and over and over again. And they get fatigued and they just stop listening. So let's say you did in the future want to launch like a like a car detailing company in your local town you should be able to do that and you could talk about it on your podcast but you realize that it's not going to have a lot of overlap but having audience will help in so many other ways right it'll help you raise capital because people feel like they know who you are and they could trust you and they know your journey it help with the recruiting it could help with you know, obviously distribution but there are so many other benefits for having an audience that could apply to any future business that you launch, regardless of what they do, what industry they're in, whether they're even relevant to what you're doing today. So yeah. I think there's going to be just tons of benefit that I have, but I wouldn't worry about that today. I guarantee there's a lot of creators that'll be listening to this that have had this same thing freeze them. And, and what I realized too, is like, there's really two types of content that I like making. One is what we've been talking about, which is like complex and simple around tech and business. The other is just like straight up behind the scenes, like like showing how I'm building. And right now that's not really manifesting in video, but I do that on the email. We do that in the podcast. Like those are the two buckets. And what I realize is any business I build, 
the most valuable content that I could make through the Callaway channels that would drive it is probably the behind the scenes of building it, not yeah. like topic relevant, you know? Like if I'm showing in the factory making a product, that's cooler than me being like, oh, I've been honing this manufacturing savvy audience for like five yeah. years, you know? So yeah. the the behind the scenes is what I actually like too. And I feel, I've seen a lot of people make shorts behind the scenes, like this guy Brandino that's like super dope. And it, that works so well. Yeah, I, I think it, that'll work really well. Yeah, because I think that is part of your audience and they're going to want to follow that journey and, and, and see what it's like. Yeah. I did have a couple other ideas I would add on top of this path. So one was working with the talent manager. So I think you're yeah. kind of big enough where they will... Like I've never worked as a talent manager, but I would imagine some of the things that I'm commending for you that they would help and refine and they've worked with so many brands and they can just manage that process. They'll take a small fee, but I think in exchange, you don't have to deal with the day-to-day. So rather yeah, than getting like- I was like just a, about to say that. Yeah, rather than getting really a COO, great. which is I think a little too early, it's like work with a talent manager that's done this before. There's a lot of things that you should reinvent like the content and the creative side of that. But there's a lot of things you don't need to reinvent, like how brands work with content creators on the internet. Right. So that was like one idea. The other idea was raise money for the creative studio. So I, I was on Twitter and I saw this guy. We heard of Phase, Phase World. Yeah, like Phase, Phase Clan. Yeah. Phase, like the gaming, um, the gaming. Group. No, it's actually not the gaming company. It's Phase oh, they're World. They're using the same name. No, the guy's last name is actually like FaZe. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. So he, and he just raised $750,000 at a $7.5 million valuation. He did a pilot where he had a small team of three, and then they had a budget of $18,000 to create a TikTok audience. And, and I think within like three or six months, it got to like 100,000 subscribers. So he raised money to just churn this out to create basically shows. So, And what are the investors investing in? Like revenues? ad revenue splits of the show effectively. I would imagine they pitch themselves as modern day Disney rather than creating this big production frozen like movies, they can create really cheap shows that get huge audiences and then follow maybe a more traditional entertainment route channel path. Like it could turn yeah. into a Netflix show. It could turn, I don't know. But the idea for you would be to have the content studio also create other types of content because you will be doing that anyways for any future businesses and you can do that for clients or for yourself right if you're like hey i have this why don't we spin off a separate show that is not branded with me but it's branded as a thing and you guys make content for me and that thing and we either raise capital to do that or we do that for businesses which is kind yeah. of like agency item. The but agency. I thought it was pretty yeah. interesting that they raised capital for for uh, literally what we were talking about, the content creative studio. And I was just blown yeah. away. I was like, what are they funding? Why did they do that? Like, how big can this be? Really interesting. I, I just found, I was scrolling through, I was like, that's really interesting. I saw that same thing. I was thinking that too. On the on the manager side, okay, I want to I tackle both of those. On the manager side, it's funny you say that because I literally came to this realization like in the last seven days. So I have two calls with prospective managers Perfect. like later this week. And basically, and it's, I think it'll be good to talk about because I didn't realize like a lot of the creators that are around my size do have managers and the yes. managers are pumping the deals in. I was kind of like, oh, like a manager would only be for someone with like millions of subscribers. But I, I actually, I think I'm, I'm well big enough for that. And really what I came down to is the people I was talking to, there's kind of like two roles Oh, I don't know why these, these yeah, I don't know if you're seeing weird. these balloons, but yeah. I have these like Google things, but um, yeah, we can cut that out. But basically there's two roles in the 
in the content in my like media org, I feel like that are close. One is this like COO operating partner role that you're describing. And that person is mostly, I think for all of the like day-to-day business stuff, but like managing the team, et cetera. And then there's like a sales focused role. That's like getting inbound, going outbound, controlling the inbound, like really closing the deals, dealing that, dealing with that. And the manager plays that sales role. So like the manager, most people have told me the manager is not going to play this like right-hand COO role. That's just not what they do. And so right now I'm like, the COO stuff I think I can take on for now, but like eventually we'll hire COO. But but the discussion I was trying to have is, do I go manager or do I hire the salesperson in-house? And we can, I'm curious to get your thoughts around like the breakdown because a man, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find a downside with the manager because you, you're not locked in. They're taking maybe 15, 10 to 20%, but like you're gonna pay that in commission anyway to the salesperson. The manager already has other clients and other brand contacts. So like you're already starting with a lead. You don't have to manage them as like a talent and you don't have to pay them a salary. It's just straight commission. So from my perspective, it's like all pot, all thumbs up for the manager. The salesperson, the only an incremental benefit that you don't see with the manager that I'm seeing is like, because they're in-house, you're getting a lot more like one-to-one, you know, you're, you're the only one they're working for. They're like working 40 hours a week for you, whatever. But with all the, all the other cons of what I said before. So I'm curious how you think about that because yeah. I'm leaning manager, but what am I missing there? I think you're right to lean towards a manager for your stage. I think the COO is probably that role feels to me like once you break a mill, you know, with either total followers or on, on one specific platform where the, the revenue coming in is like, okay, we don't need the manager anymore, but for your size and working with a manager that has done this before that understands how it works, has all the brand relationships can work with you on refining all these things and take that off your plate, I think it's super helpful because that will allow you to spend a lot more time at creating content. And you also have cash coming in that you can then pay for editors or, you know, like kind of level up your equipment or give yourself a salary or travel or do whatever. But I think you're at this, this stage now where that probably makes the most sense. And, and in other areas, I would kind of direct or where do you want to like really accelerate? And I think for you, it should be content. Like, I think yeah. that should be the singular focus until you break that million mark, but it feels like a really good milestone. And I think if you focus on that for the next year, I think you get there pretty quickly because you have something that's yeah. working. It just needs to be refined. And I know the best managers will not just do the ad deals for you, but they'll also be a good strategic partner for you too. So I know you can pitch ideas to them and they'll give you feedback on that. They can give you feedback on title and thumbnails because they they want to work with you and they like collaborating. So I think those are probably the in my opinion, the best ones to, to work with because they want to be your partner in that sense. And then it should be someone yeah. you just vibe with as well. I think a combination of increasing my like media channel inventory plus having a manager, that would just, in the yeah. next like six months, will absolutely explode like 10x revenue and and also make it like easier for me. And then, yeah, then, so that's, to me, that's like the immediate path and like a no-brainer for sure. We can definitely talk about the agency side, if you want that, the only way I could do that is with an operating partner. And I actually do think there's positioning for a video agency that right now, like all of the ones I'm seeing are commoditized and the service is like pretty crappy, to be honest. But at the end of the day, like you were saying, if I'm going to build a content engine with a team that basically is an agency with a client of one, which is me. And so the question is like, do we bring on a couple more clients so we can break even on that? Do we take an aggressive path to like actually make money on it? Or is it just like a, you know, a cost. So, but like either way, I feel like I'm, that's an agency of some kind. So we can talk about that if you want. 
And I also have one more innovative idea around the course side of it that I can talk about too. We can take either, either way. Definitely focus and say no to a lot of things. I think you just need to create your own rules, start making some money, funnel that into making more content, and then lift your head and see the millions of people in your audience. Well, so I was going to say this, this idea around this course thing, but, but it's not courses. I want to get your take on this because sure. you're, you're like the, you were the king of courses, right? Basically yeah. Skillshare, like, you know, everything about this. So this is, this is my take here. I don't want to take on like make a 15 module, six hour course that I sell for $300. Like that is to me is a lot of incremental work that I want to make sure the offer is a hundred out of 10 for anyone who I'm selling it to. And like, maybe my skills at this point could be packaged to that level, but like, I'm not sure. So that, that doesn't interest me, but I think I came up with like a new spin on. Okay, I want to hear it now. I want to hear yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, okay. So this is what I want to do. So I'm basically like, how, like we were saying before, the theme of this is how do I monetize in an overlapping way to what I'm already doing? So what am I already doing? Every single day, I find interesting stuff. I write a script, I make a video, I put it out. And there's a lot of people that want to know how to do that. And so this thing I'm calling build alongs, where what if I just recorded my screen while I made the whole video end to end, like it's a three hour process. But as I'm doing it, I'm just like talking to myself like I already would, but out loud. So I'm like, okay, the messy, I found this article, like, okay, what I'm looking for is like uh, the, the theme that people are gonna share. And I'm just like articulating how I'm doing it, but I'm actually doing it. And so then I make the video, I put it out and I've got this like three hour raw screen recording of me doing it. And what I was thinking is, what if I just, either I could do it or I'll send it to it like a pretty cheap editor who cuts that down to like an hour to get rid of the spaces. And then I basically have a, you know, school, the platform S-K-O-L. It's like, no. it's, it's effectively like Circle or like one of those like community management platforms. Let's say I have, I have a school space that's free. Anyone who's like a creator entrepreneur who like wants to learn short form video can join it. But then I put up these build alongs as like a $5. It's almost like an episode of a TV show where I'm like live streaming how I do it. And the way I think it would work is I could record all of the ones I do, but I could only put out the ones that go viral. So it's like, if you see one of my videos go viral and get a million views, a week later, I'll make an Instagram story and be like, hey, I actually recorded this entire process, like my thinking and everything I was thinking as I made it. So if you want to watch that, if you're like a business leader or you're trying to learn how to create content, the best way to learn is to watch someone do it versus like be taught it, I feel like. And so that way it's like, it's not really extra work for me. I mean, I guess I have to talk out loud and it would slow me down a little bit, but I think it's kind of cool that like, I can offer these like episodic bite size, you know, fly on the wall type things. And I can do as many as I want. So like, you don't have to buy all of them. You can be in the community for free. And if you want to, if you're really interested in that topic and you want to see how I came to it, you can pay five bucks. What, yeah. what do you think about this, this idea? Uh, I could take that idea one step further. I actually think the best way to learn is learn by doing. A simple idea you could do would be to create like project-based learning where you can say, hey, the prompt is we're all going to make a video on X. I'm going to create, I'm, I'm going to record myself doing it and that'll be part of the lessons and it costs X to do it for this month. We're going to do four prompts. Everyone gets it. Everyone has to upload. Everyone has to publish and I'll give feedback on the top ones. And what you get at the end of this cohort is you get work that you actually executed and i'm going to do it along with you guys i'm going to share my tips you guys will have a community where everyone could give tips you can ask questions around editing and things like that or hooks and get feedback on that in real time but the goal is for you to walk out with two three or four shorts and that go viral 
And that's, that's the, that's a course. I, I would definitely pay for something like that. And that's basically like, so how, in your mind, how does that differ from like a cohort based thing like that you do on Maven? Is it just like, it's more, Most, it's more project based, I guess. More project based. Cause a lot of those are, um, lecture based, right? So you join this cohort and the sessions are a live, like course, you know, like a live presentation and you could ask me the teacher questions. I think that's how it's kind of operated. Or yeah. in this one, it would, it would, you could literally have no instruction and you can say, Hey, here's the prompt. I spent a lot of time on it. Here's some resources. If you need to learn how to do it, um, I'm going to record myself doing it as well and upload it. And you guys, I'm so curious to see what all of you guys create as well. And the prompt is we're going to talk about what happened with OpenAI. That's it. You know, like it needs to be 60 seconds. You guys need to post in all your channels. And as you guys are working on it, upload it. And we're all going to get feedback on it together. Like everybody in the community is going to just get feedback on it or something like that. So, yeah, I, I think that would, that would work super well and be extremely like helpful. My only con with that is like, that is a lot of incremental extra work it is. that isn't creating the content. That's all. That's my only fear is like, I'm, I, that's the one guardrail I'm trying to like not go over, which is like, how can I not add another job yeah. in this stage? Like eventually I will, but in this stage. So I was kind of like, the, the build alongs concept, the way I framed it, it isn't that much extra work because I'm already doing it. But as soon as I add like call, review calls or like, to, you know, meetings to review what I did with people or like any to any two way dialogue, like anything, it becomes another job. So, yeah. but, but the, my, my, what I'm wondering is, is the build along thing compelling enough where anyone would pay $8 to watch it? Like, I kind of well, think if Twitch is the pattern and people watch gaming, why would people not watch you know, like creation more or less. I think it would be a lot more work than you're into. As soon as you take a dollar from someone, it's going to be a lot more work than you originally yeah. anticipated. And that also kind of blurs a line between free and paid content. Yeah, where like, that could be a great YouTube video, you know, or you could just stream on Twitch, you know. And yeah, that was the other just, thing. I've never streamed before, but yeah, for free, similar. where people could just work along with you and, you know, it could just be part of the community. Um, so, I mean, if yeah. time is like your huge factor in, in mind space, I, I think it would take a lot more time and it could just fail too, like from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Like five people, then you have to like do this for five people that are paying you eight bucks a month or 50. Well, that's why I don't want to do it monthly. I want to make yeah. it free, but it's pay yeah. on demand. So like if I can do as many or as few as I want, every time I do one, I do, it's eight bucks to watch it. And like, you don't have to, you can be in the community for free talking to people. But like, if you want to watch that episode that I yeah, do, yeah. you know. So just a little interesting thing, but I agree. Like with the overall summary, I think is the brand deal ad bucket with a manager plus more ad inventory and me like going hard on that, I think is probably the best yeah. use of my time. One, yeah. one question for you, and then we could definitely change topics. But when you guys were doing these placements for Skillshare with YouTubers, the top 10% of the ones you did, was there common threads with like the way those creators approached it or like something about that that made them better it was really just like a shotgun approach and you just didn't know who was gonna no idea gonna... like we would take bets on which ones would take off and we would always be wrong wow it was all over the place like you could it was very hard to predict like wow. extremely hard because you don't know if they paid for their audience if it's fake you don't know if they actually know who their audience is but we did have like very specific things that they would have to say that we knew worked and converted really well so we would not be prescriptive about it, but would say, hey, make sure you say just these three things. But I think the goal is to find a few brands that 
you enjoy working with that the audience also resonates with and kind of work with them on a continuous re repeat basis. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good model. And if it works consistently, it's, it's perfect. Um, all right, where do you want to go from here? That would be good to wrap on like what business ideas did you think for the personal holding company? So I think we really dive deep in content and we dive deep in the creative studio and cash flow. Let's assume in a year that's solved, right? You're like, hey, I have like too much cash coming in. Like I have a six person content team. Everything's kind of what's next. And I think the paths to think through would be the creative path or the business path, right? So the creative path would be, we're going to make a documentary film just because I want to now. The other path would be a SaaS business, a boring business. So, a, you know, like online product, an agency. How, how do you think through that? I'm going uh, business path for yes. sure. <laughs> awesome. So the way, the, the way I, the way I think of it though, is my like art will be a like lifestyle clothing brand, probably something mm -hmm. that is not designed to be the cash cow. Hopefully it makes a little bit of money, but like, that's how I'll express myself. And like, as I build a community, I think. I personally think like one of the best ways to feel connected is through like stuff you're wearing or like physical products you're holding. And so ideally that probably wouldn't be the first business I launch. Maybe I'll do like small runs here and there, but like ideally that would be kind of the artsy side, but everything else is like super business heavy. And I think, I mean, this is where I'm more of a novice. Like I'm wading into deep waters where I haven't actually like practiced what I'm preaching, but my theory is you kind of have two paths, right? You've got the, the, this is a pain point for me. And then you've got like, this is a pain point for someone and an opportunity. And you kind of have to decide like which path to pick businesses under. Like my pain points are probably not the biggest market opportunities. So if I want to win the game, I should probably pick something that has a huge opportunity, upcoming trend, massive TAM and like high margins, right? Which is like some kind of SaaS or super like luxury physical product, like a cold plunge or something. So I just heard that on my first million, but that's like a, I mean, that's just printing money. I, so that's how I I'm think, thinking, but I don't, I can go through some ideas, but that's, that's how I'm thinking of the framing. Yeah. I think that's a huge trap. People approach it like that and nothing with how you're approaching it, but just generally to think they're like, okay, it needs to have 70, 80% margins. It needs to be huge TAMs. Most businesses that turn really big start off as something that was like a pain point that the person when he created so like my approach for how i'm doing it is like if it's something i want to work on that solves a problem i'm not really too concerned of how big the market is or you know, what the trends are saying because i think if there's a market for it and if it makes like five million bucks a year that's still pretty phenomenal and if it just gets lucky with timing or whatever and turns into a 50 million dollar business amazing the pain points the leading for sure yeah it has to be a pain yeah. point right that, yeah. that's the most important thing but if you had a list of 10 pain points would you pick the opportunity that's the biggest or you'd pick the pain that's the harshest for you like which how would you evaluate that for skillshare it was a pain point i was very passionate about and it really stemmed out of my, my personal experience and i thought i can create something completely different all the other ideas i've done that haven't worked out so some of them haven't even seen the light of day which was the opposite approach was like how huge the market is and i'm not even passionate about this but all the numbers check out most of those ideas don't even get off the ground because I'm like, I, I don't really want to work on that. Or if they do, they just kind of fizzle out. So I don't know why that is. I don't know if I'm not good at selecting those ideas or if I have a different process, but I would probably focus on something I want to work on. And I, I do would want, you know, I would want to make sure that there was some market for it, ideally big, yeah. but 
that wouldn't be the, that wouldn't be where I personally would start. I think it has to, like, for me, it has to be a pain point that I feel because if I'm going to spend, if I'm going to allocate any time, the mind virus of that is going to like infect your brain on the times you're not working on it. And so I want to be thinking about stuff that like, if solved would actually help me or like help the people around me. So, I mean, a couple like pain points. My biggest pain point right now is, which is a very privileged pain point, but it's like, I love experiencing new places, but I really don't enjoy the act of traveling in terms of like, the whole airport experience sucks. I feel horrible. I lose my sleep. I like lose exercise stability. I'm, I'm in a new place that's so cool. And like, it's amazing. I have a great opportunity to do that, but I feel my worst and I, I lose routine. All, there's like a huge bucket of pain points in there of like, everybody wants to experience, experience new stuff, but they do not feel optimal doing it. And so that's like one bucket that always has been nagging at me. There's a million ways to attack that. Like you could do physical products, you could do supplements, you could do, you know, a, a bunch of things. That's one. Um, another one would be, oh, I just had, yeah, I have like a list in. On the first one, I, I like that because it's a personal pain point. It's obviously a huge market and there's so many different avenues you could go within that. I, I think just figuring out how to solve that pain point and where, I mean, that there's like hundreds, there's if not thousands. There. Yeah. There's like so much like area to, to explore. Yeah. And I have a few, I have a few like reels I've experimented with where it's more like vlog style, but definitely not like super intense. It's just like, you know, he, I call them the weekends series where it's like yeah. what I'm doing on the weekend, but that's one. Another one too is, and I'm, this, this is one I really am curious to get your, your thoughts on is. I, I don't think the teach the learning skills has been solved still. So like courses are almost always like not finished and abandoned. And like for many experience I've had, like let's take a real practical example. I had uh this design team design team I'm working with mock up like this like landing page hub for what I could route everybody to and like brands, everything. So they designed it exactly how I want. It looks great but they don't do the building. So I'm like, okay, I need to go on Framer and like build this. I don't know how to use Framer. So today my options would be hire someone who does know how to do Framer and pay them. But like, let's assume you don't have the money and I have to learn. I could go take a course. Like my guy Traff on Twitter has a, a Framer course. that's probably like the best. And so if I spent 10 hours, I could like learn it kind of, but like then I'm going to fumble through framer the first time. It's not going to be a fun experience for me. I'm going to be wanting to do stuff that the tool can't do or that I don't know how to do. And it's going to be like really frustrating and I'm hopefully not going to churn out, but I might. And that like arc is how I think a lot of people are with new skills of any discipline. And it's just not, it's not as fun as it should be to learn something new because people don't like being beginners and the path to go from a beginner to medium is too hard for most people. And so courses are an amazing business model for the creator but like, I don't think it's the optimal medium for the consumer of it. And I'm curious if you've thought more about this or you're like coursed out because <laughs> oh, after Skillshare, you're like, I don't want to think about this problem anymore. No, I, I would definitely say I'm coursed out. And I think there's a huge, like, I, I wish I had an AI tutor, like ChatGPT, yeah. where I could ask it any question and it would answer immediately. And it could either point me to the right resource or someone trained it to upload the right resources to it, whether it's an article or a video or shorts or whatever. So I would learn, I would love to learn editing. I would love to learn how to use Framer. 
but I don't want to sit through a course and I don't want to fumble through it. I just kind of want to get started and start doing it and then just ask something for help when I get stuck. Yeah. So I think that is like, if I were to build a company today, I would probably do, I would start off with a bigger vision of creating like an AI tutoring platform, but I would probably start off with I don't know, video editing and get super specific and really hone it in there and get to the point where it was just so good that we could take anyone from like beginner to intermediate in 30 days, as long as they were like super motivated and excited. Like yeah. That's what I would want. Cause I'm like trying to learn how to edit and it's like very hard. It's tough. It's, it's tough. super hard. I, I, I've thought of a couple solutions, like a couple potentially interesting ways to attack this problem, but the AI version that you described is probably best I would say. But the two, two things I've thought of one is like, Basically, pre-AI being able to solve every problem, the, what I reflected on, like, how do I best close the gap between where yeah. I am today and where I want to be? It's usually with someone who's better than me, one-on-one, -on -one, like hearing me explain my problem in my own words and seeing it and then like solving that problem. It's not this like blanket advice with a pre-recorded course. It's, it's very targeted one-on-one. -on -one. The problem with one-on-one -on -one coaching is it's either super expensive or like if it's in-person, schedule dependent. So one way to solve this is, you have a marketplace with all these like real-time accessible experts in every field that are incrementally better in, you can, you can like quantify their level of expertise. And at any time, like when I'm editing a video, if I'm like, oh, I really want to do that glitch effect, but I don't know how, and I can't find it on YouTube. I go on this platform and I'm like paying per minute. And I just like press one button and like Leo shows up and Leo's like, oh yeah, here's how you do it. And, he, and you, I explain what I want and he just shows me. And it's like this fractional real-time coaching that isn't schedule dependent. So it's like, it's like I love that. You know, real, I love, real time. I love that idea. And what I would tweak with that is making it a synchronous kind of like cameo where I would just record myself for a few minutes explaining what I'm trying to do, where I'm stuck and, and show my tool. Yeah. Fire that off to Leo. Within 24 hours, Leo sends me a 10 minute video back. Yeah, he's like, oh, super easy. Just go here, click. And then I can like maybe message him with one follow question, which he responds to within a set period of time. And the, cl totally the closer you can get to real time, the better. Uh, the because better. Only, be only because like then, you know how like you're working on a project, you like have a lot of momentum, you're excited about it. But then yeah. even if you have to like launch a customer support thing and it comes back in two hours, the momentum is gone. So that there's something there that's really cool. I and love that idea. You could do that with video editing to start. Like you could niche yeah. down heavy first and just get like 50 video editors. Like, and it's kind of like a doctor on call, right? They're just like, yeah. if they get a ping, they respond. And it's like Uber where first person that responds getting it if they're above a certain level. So you don't have to worry that like, if you're busy, you missed it. And like you broke the service, you know, but that's something to kick around. That was one thing I've always wanted. The other way is I guess closer to AI and you can cut these if you want to actually build these businesses, you can cut this from the episode, but the other way is, uh, basically I was calling it wormholes or like rabbit holes or something. And it's essentially like anytime I want to learn a topic, I really just want to find the right rabbit hole cascade to learn the knowledge. And usually people just make these as they go. So like they'll go in YouTube, but then they're like crossing over to podcasts and articles and like, it's kind of a disjointed process. And when you don't know what you're looking for, it's hard to find it. Mm -hmm. But like what should exist is like a, um, a market, it's not even a marketplace, but it would basically be like, let's say I know how to do video editing really well. One the, today I could make a five hour course, but like on rabbit holes, I could basically just create this like visual chain that literally looks like a hole going down. And it's, 
me and potentially could be collaborative with like other video editors are like adding things to the chain of like, okay, if you want to learn video editing, like just read this first and then watch this next and then like do this next. And it's like, it's building the curriculum live collaboratively with other people. And then that becomes like the video editing rabbit hole. So any video editor can come and you can figure out the monetization model. If it's like you pay per unlock or you pay for a subscription, but like imagine going to a place where everything you want to know, experts have already assembled the best linear path and you don't need to like worry about watching the right or wrong video because it's right there for you that so and ai could help with that that's like another take on it i guess that's less person dependent yeah i remember a lot of companies try to do something like that in the 2000s and 2010s i'm not sure why they never worked out but it was essentially like a curated resource list made by an expert but i'm not really sure why they never took off it it's probably in the bucket of those ideas that sounds really good, but once you start executing it, the behavior isn't really there on the consumer side to use it would be yeah. my guess. It has but, to be dynamic enough, right? Like I think yeah. making it visual is helpful and like, okay, if there's a seven minute YouTube video, the, the, the it would be sick if rabbit holes had a little way where there's only 45 seconds to matter. You can like easily clip it and then like the yeah, thing yeah. on rabbit holes is just what you need. It's not the full yeah. video and like just making it easy. But yeah, I like the marketplace option much better to be honest. The real time. Yeah, I think all those ideas, I think some of those could be thrown into the AI tutor. Some of those could be thrown in the marketplace bucket. Some of those could just be merged into one platform that has like this real time AI tutor. Or you can also hit up like a real expert, you know, or both. You could kind of choose and pick. But I would say overall, it sounds like you're pretty interested in, in education and in learning and teaching. So I would throw that into a big bucket for future business ideas for sure. I, I love, I love like learning something and then telling others about it, like, which, yeah. it, which it goes with the like complex, the simple thing. So I, yeah, I really like that. Uh, uh, interest, like, so you, you went from building to, you were VC backed on both, right? Or did you bootstrap Otis? Um, everything was VC backed. Yeah. So you had two VC-backed companies and now you're going more the, the personal holding company. I don't know if you're planning on raising or not, but I would, I mean, selfishly, would just love to hear you talk through like, what do you think the next step is for you? Like in the personal holding company sense, is business number one going to be like a boring business of cash flows and then you're going to tinker around or do you no. think, yeah, what do you think? I'm literally following your video. I'm just a year behind you. So oh, nice. I'm literally focusing <laughs> so on first. content first. And I, I think where you and I diverge is like, I'm more going down the creative path and not the business path. Like, okay. you know, there are creative things that I work on that make money or overlap with the business. That, that, that would be amazing. I'm thinking through, how do I get to where you are in a year? Can I get there faster? Like all the things I'm watching you do, I'm trying to figure out how do I do that for myself? I do enjoy making the podcast. So that's kind of be my staple, but like watching your videos, like, you know, should I experiment with shorts to grow an audience faster? Then how do I convert them into the long form and just think through all those things? So for me, it's content. Should I hire a small part-time editing team just to up, up my level so I can focus more on content creation? But yeah, I would summarize, I'm trying to get to where you are in a year and then going down the creative path. Maybe we should go through a live, little live brainstorm like on the creative, on the content side for you. Cause I, if, I mean, I'm sure you have like a thousand questions about which way to go or whatever. And I'm, I think it would be valuable to the listener to like brainstorm that live if you want. Yeah. I, originally I thought it would just be pure artistic. Don't care about the audience. And then 
when you start creating content, it's really hard not to look at the metrics and then it's really hard not to think about how you can improve upon doing it. Yeah. So I'm just thinking through how to grow and I'm leaning toward doing what I'm doing, but also adding shorts into the mix and adding really good editors so that I can learn how to edit and I can create more content. I was going to ask you, what's one area you think I could focus on to like, you mentioned you created 50 videos and it started taking off at like video five or for me, I, I have a podcast. I, I create a YouTube solo episode, but nothing seems to be like taking off. People will email me or message me like, oh, I really love the content. It's really good, but nothing has really gone viral. Whereas on Twitter, yeah. like I know how Twitter works. I could like write something if I really spend time on it and make something go viral every week or every month at least, but I haven't really figured out the video game yet. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like what, what are the content buckets? So like you have this podcast where you're, you're mostly, are you mostly interviewing like creators, entrepreneurs, kind of like breaking things down that way? Or what's the, what's like the one liner of the podcast? The podcast is all over the place right now. Like I'm just experimenting. So this is the first like business one, like a breakdown. I would say this is probably similar to my old YouTube channel, but some of the other topics have been around like a midlife transition. Cause a lot of people, once they hit 40, they start second think, rethinking what they want the second half of their life to look like. I did one at sports cards all over the place, but, um, I'm trying to think through where, where I hone in on and one bucket that I've enjoyed writing, creating content on just around life. Cause everyone knows me from the work side, but I, I'm more interested in the life side. So like a tweet that I sent out last week that went viral is like living near your friends, just like such a new idea. I guess it's not a new idea, but it's like a different idea and just being able to talk about that and share a new unique idea for someone that could apply in their own life. I find pretty interesting, but I also love the business side. You know, it's just part of my, it's just in my DNA. I cannot not think of business ideas. When you were making that YouTube, like, why'd you stop making those YouTube videos? Cause I remember seeing them and I feel like they were edited well. Like you were, you were kind of, I forget how many subscribers you had, but you were like, you starting to grow there. What, why'd you shut that down or pause on it or whatever? Uh, for a couple of reasons. I think one was that I just had left the company that acquired Otis and I wanted to take some time off and it felt like a job or, and I, I wanted to take some time off. And, and the second one is the, the format got super repetitive. Is yeah. we're breaking down creator businesses and they all have a similar formula. So, and there's only so many buckets you can recommend. And by the fifth video, I told Stefan, I was like, man, all the videos are gonna be so similar. I'm like, I don't really want to do this anymore. I want to take a break and, we, and it's all getting repetitive for me. I was like, this is just not creatively interesting. Um, so I decided to take time off and then come back this year with like, okay, business number one is content. I'm treating it like my job. I'm like ready to grind and work again. I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts on this. So sure. I think, so the goal is you got to find there, the, the unique con or the content genius zone. That's like the, what the topic matter is. But then I think there's like natural tailwinds right now with short form video that aren't there for sure. Aren't there with the podcast. And like, you get a little bit of it with YouTube, but like, I think the longer the format, the longer it will take you to get enough traction to get the signal back that like your content genius zone is wanted Got by it. the market. There's like a decent, decent proportional rule there. And so because of that, my thinking was just like, okay, short form is probably the most competitive attention marketplace on the internet. A, so it's like really hard, but if you can crack it, the amplification of the algorithm is insane. And I think that, I mean, a, it's like, feels good when the numbers 
get higher quicker. That's like a little psychology hack, but like more, more so it's just better. You get the tighter feedback loops of like what's working. And imagine like the short form video is like the Olympics and YouTube is like high school sports or like college sports where it's really hard to break, to do well in the Olympics. But if you can do well, you can go back down and do anything yeah. really. And you can crack that. So I really think you should focus on shorts and not, I would keep doing the podcast because as you see, like from mine, shorts alone is not enough. Like I have to now go down and do longer yeah. form, but I think it's going to work quicker because I have so many eyeballs on shorts that I can either mm -hmm. push or at least expose the other, the other direction is harder. So that's one, that's one like tactical thought around format. Now around topic, I mean, the truth is when you don't have any credibility, it's really hard to make content because you have to become, unless you're just talking about yourself or your own experiences, you kind of have to talk, become like knowledgeable or deep on certain things to talk about. For me, I've never built a business. So it's, I'm glad, I guess, that my like business analysis is working, yeah. but like I did consulting for a while and I was just like thinking about businesses forever. So I guess you could say like, I was kind of credible in that space. You have rare credibility that almost no one has, right? Like the way Justin Kahn's videos yep. did well, I think a lot of that was because he was like, I was the founder of Twitch. He kept saying that and people would then give him enough credibility to watch. And then his ideas were great. So you're similar. Like, I feel like you should lean into the fact that you've started these two huge companies. You went through acquisitions. You don't have to make all the content about that per se. Like, I think that type of content would do well because you're in a small select group of people that know about that. But even if you just use that as a credibility boost, I think your stuff on shorts would rip because people want to see what they haven't seen before. And there aren't that many like successful entrepreneurs that have exited that are making short form video seriously. So I would, that's like one, and, and, and that doesn't really solve the topic problem, but at least it solves the positioning problem. Yeah, initially. yeah, No, I think that's really helpful. I've heard multiple people mention that to me and it's good to hear that from you. And it's so funny because we're at opposite ends. I kind of know where I want to go, right? I want to do long form content. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how to grow. And I was like, okay, short form probably makes the most sense. It's yeah. probably the hardest to crack, but creatively, I'm kind of excited to figure out how to tackle it. And I look at a lot of your videos as great inspiration. Yeah, I and, appreciate that. And yeah, I think you're right. I can definitely lean into the credibility. And you, did you just experiment with a lot of different things? Just see what you like creating, what resonated with people, and then you started to double down on what worked? Yeah, I kind of was okay. like, what is interesting to me? I would read a bunch of email newsletters and like look at, you know, TechCrunch. And then I, whatever, I was like, whatever headline authentically pulls me, let's just make a video of me explaining why this is relevant or like what the theme is, you know, like the complex is simple, but I was like, whatever grabs me, let's just make it. And then I realized after a couple hundred videos of like, okay, I'm starting to see these buckets and like see these themes and people are starting to comment like, oh, I really follow you because I never know what I'm going to get, but it's always interesting. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to see these like trends. So I think you just got to tackle it that way. And if, if your credibility is around business building and like tips, you could make three videos a week on that and then one or two on like more artsy stuff. And that way test both and satisfy yeah. your like, you know, desire for more of the creative side, but still see growth. And another hack is that this, this is like, I guess in terms of hills I'll die on right now, this is one of the biggest ones where I feel like I'm in the minority, but a lot of people will take their long form videos mostly podcast, mostly video podcasts, but it could be other things. And they'll basically just 
repurpose those for shorts in a very lazy copy and paste way where maybe they'll put the hormozy captions on and like they'll yes. obviously adjust the text so it fits in the window like the mobile screen yeah. but it's it it's like you're trying to like you're trying to feed dinner to someone at 8 a.m like th they want something specific right they want breakfast food so it's like the key is you got to make native content to the platform you're on and so what does native mean Potentially, your ideas that you're talking about on the podcast and long forms need to be re-recorded specifically for shorts. So that means like quicker pacing, uh, the editing style is a big piece of it, which we can talk about in a second. Like the the rhythm of your words is definitely needs to be different. And like just the whole package, I think, has to be native to the platform. So the reason why most people post these podcast clips that like don't do that well and they're like, I'm doing short form, but it's not working, it's because they're like lazily copying over. So if you take a beginner's mind and like a native mind to short form with stuff you know i think it's going to work yeah and i think that sounds completely right so i've done the lice up your podcasting in a short and i was doing it i was like man i don't even watch these you know like when i'm exactly. scrolling through instagram i don't i once i see the microphone couch swipe up exactly um, that's so, roberto and i are trying to figure that out i don't know if you listened to that full episode the last one we did on, yeah. on the podcast but like we really there's a lot of gold in that hour but we and we want we have a lot of eyes that could see it on shorts but we don't want to just yeah. copy paste the clip so we're like how do we best use that yeah. and so far we haven't figured it out so the other the other thought that comes to mind is i just screen grabbed my tweet my tweet that went viral it got i think over 10,000 11,000 likes which is a lot for twitter like i know this topic would just do really well on instagram and now after talking to you, I'm like, man, I should have made a six, like a 30 to 60 second short just yeah, talking yeah. about this idea in the most compelling way as possible because the ideas resonates with people. It was just, that was the right format for Twitter, but for Instagram, I need to make a short. Here's a strategy that I think would work, not like uniquely to just you, but like specifically for you. If you do a two, a two piece carousel on Instagram, the first is the tweet. And the second is a native short about the tweet that's edited well, because I keep seeing like people keep saying these carousels are getting juiced by the algorithm. And I think the reason why is Instagram overcorrected to just boosting reels and then nobody likes the feed anymore. And so now they're, they're boosting these feed carousels that have like video on them. Oh. And so that's like a little hack. Or if you don't do it on the carousel, you could just make the reel. But the first thing you show is like yeah. this went this went viral and you explain it. So I think that's like a little format hack that I haven't tried, but I think would work really well if you have the social proof of the tweets working, you, you do. So, and then in the editing side, I would get an editor. Like if I were you, I would get an editor and there's a couple of places to get them. Um, the, the guys from Clipped basically switched the model to where it's a headhunter model. So like their whole thing is like, we're the best at finding video editors offshore and Basically, we'll, we'll find you one. You can trial them for a couple months. If you like them, you basically like pay for their yearly salary up front. And like that includes whatever the clipped fee is. But the, these rates are pretty, you know, pretty small and so are pretty, pretty low relatively. So that's like one way, I guess, like Shepard that Sean talks about. You could do that as well. But clipped feels like Shepard, but specifically for video. Yeah. So I would look there. You could also go like more DIY, like someone on Upwork or you know, like look on LinkedIn to try to find somebody who's, you know, offshore that's good, but that's like more work than yeah, you might want to do. Way but too much work. Yeah. Do you edit I think your own you videos? Have, I do right now. Yeah. And I'm really trying to offload. So like for, for reference, I started, I think I edited the first a hundred myself and like the first 30 
were not good. They sucked. I didn't know how to edit. If you if you go all the way down to my the bottom and watch my videos, they are embarrassing. Like it's amazing to me how some of them did well because the cadence was off. The the sound made no sense. Like I was putting colored lights everywhere. Like it, it was it was really uh I don't know if it's frozen, but uh it, it was really tough. But so then I was like, okay, I'm getting a little traction. Let me get an editor. So I got I actually got three guys from the Philippines that I was paying like 150 bucks a video. So I was doing I was trying to do six a week. So I was basically burning like whatever thousand bucks a week, which was a was, it was a lot. Like I wasn't my business yeah. was not ready to support that, but I was kind of like let me just fund this for a couple months and like see what happens. And these guys were way more talented editors than me. Like I'll send you some of the videos they made. They were insane. And some of them did well, but the majority didn't. And I was trying to understand like, why didn't they? It was a combination of like, I don't think I, I didn't give them good enough guidance. Like what I was looking for is record it raw, give a few notes, it comes back magic. And really they need like, they need line by line creative direction. Yeah. And if you don't give it to them, they'll make their own take and like sometimes it works but sometimes it doesn't so it's that and then i use a lot of like witty gifs and like memes and stuff in my videos and s some of their choices on those like weren't amazing but in terms of the tactical editing they were unbelievable and so i was just like uh like if i was a little further ahead i would love to just keep with these guys and like work it out but i wasn't making enough money to justify like a thousand bucks a week so i after two months i think i was like all right we're gonna put this on pause i took it back over started going viral again on my own, but then now I'm the bottleneck. So for, for a reference, like to make a video, it usually takes me three or four hours and two and a half to three hours of that is the editing. So like, <laughs> I really, I, I really want to get it off my plate. Um, but yeah, I just like haven't found the right solution, but that's another thing. I'm looking for an editor now. Yeah. I think that sounds right. And especially if you focus on getting some cash flow coming in from more traditional routes and then using that to pay for the editors and then taking the, exactly. that three hours off your plate, I, I think it would just be huge for you. And I think for me, I think, I don't think editing is a huge bottleneck for me now, but I do think um, coming up, brainstorming ideas is probably, I, I just don't have any other ideas outside of the living your friends one. So I think it's doing a couple of my own. Once I start seeing a little bit of traction, I'll, I'll probably start bringing in the, an editor so I can just ramp that up. Yeah. Another thing you could, another like series I feel like would work well for you is if you, if you were doing like reactions to, I don't want to say like companies raising money, like doing funding rounds, because that's kind of boring, but like some kind of reactions of like company milestones that were coming out and you were just like, like, Hey, I I've raised like whatever, hundreds of millions of dollars. And like, I was the founder of this and like, here's what I actually think is going on here. And you just like gave your take. Oh, that's a great idea. That you could do that forever. And that would work yeah. really well because you have the unique credibility that most people don't yeah. have. You should do like tests like that with five videos probably. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of did one on this episode with uh, the, the company that raised 750 for the creative studio. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and you I could be like, here's they... why I think it'll work, here's why it yeah, won't, yeah. you could say I, anything. Yeah, and I know how they pitch themselves uh, just based on like reading the tweet and the, the article. But yeah, yeah, this was super helpful. You got me pumped like to like start creating shorts. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, stoked I'm really... to see you do it. And yeah. I'm I'm happy if you want to like, if you're making some and you want to send them to me and like, you can just text them to me. Like, what do you think? What would you change? Whatever. Like, I'm happy to give, give you like live feedback too. And on the editor front, I can like connect you to those guys if you want, or if you have, if you have somebody you were working with before that works yeah. too, but, um, no, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pumped, pumped for you. No, I really appreciate it. And vice versa. If you're going through some of these more strategic business choices and you just want to run something by me, happy to give you feedback or shoot you some questions back so you can kind of land in the right place for it.
but amazing. Yeah. I'll keep writing the email and, and then I will circle back on the, like the manager stuff. And like, cause that, I think that's a really good clarity we got out of this. Yeah. Like, that's the tar- That's the line I need to yeah. take. So we'll see, we'll be able to see if it, if it works out, how fast it works. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. And I think you've come a long way since you made that video and you're doing, well, I would say you're doing really great, doing great. So keep doing what you're doing. Excited to see where you take this. And thanks again for coming on the show. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.